Welcome to this episode of our podcast series, Remote Connectivity, How to Achieve Information Resilience, hosted by BSI. Throughout this series, we've been discussing a range of topics to help your organization improve its information resilience in this increasingly distributed working world. So make sure you subscribe to the BSI channel and get notified for the next episodes. I'm Kristen Demaranville, Head of Cyber Risk and Advisory Americas at BSI, and today I'm joined by Jonathan Appel. Welcome. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm Jonathan Appel, CTO and co-founder of Upstream Security. Uh, my work in Upstream is to drive cyber detection and automotive standards and regulations work. In today's episode, we will discuss the rise of connected cars and the implications in cybersecurity, the latest ISO SAE 21434 standard and the UN ECE WP 29 regulation. How the automotive industry is changing for automakers to tech companies and the implications for drivers and manufacturers. I think we should jump right in. So the first question is, what do you think is the one thing people don't realize about connected cars? Do you think it's a lack of awareness on the consumer level or the manufacturer OEMs or something else? So listen, Kristen, this is uh, actually all new. You know, this is a new domain, a new world. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, today, almost all new cars that are being manufactured are actually connected. And they're not just connected, you know, just for the sake of it, but they're connected in order to give great services to the consumers. It can be, you know, the car getting cool new features via over-the-air updates. Uh, it could be uh, cool new services, uh, smart city connections, etc. But, uh, you know, with all this greatness comes a risk because when the vehicles are connected, they can also be attacked via cyber attacks remotely. And this can actually uh, cause risk uh, to the consumers, to us, the drivers. And, you know, vehicles uh, are everywhere and uh, they're kind of an OT, but it's a special kind of OT that mm -hmm. all of us have. You know, all of us own a car. So actually, this risk applies to each and every one of us. And, and this is, I think, something that uh, there was not much, uh, you know, awareness of. And today uh, we're seeing more and more awareness. Uh, you know, when we started Upstream in uh, 2017, we needed to do some uh, evangelism and talk about the risks. Mm. But today, already, you know, everyone knows about the risk and uh, it's widely accepted. You can also see it in the new uh, regulations that are being adopted uh, in the market. And by the way, you know, we're researching uh, attacks and besides <clears throat> developing our products. And we're seeing, uh, you know, just between 2016 and 2020, there was a rise of uh, times nine in the numbers of attacks on connected vehicles. Wow. So, you know, we're seeing that and the entire market seeing it. And today uh, the risk is widely recognized. You know, the one thing I've noticed too in having discussions about um, automotive security and other things um, to that effect with just general consumers is a lot of people get um, autonomous cars and connected cars confused. They think connected cars mean autonomous and an autonomous is connected, which I mean, autonomous is connected. That is true. But con connected cars are connected cars. Every new car, like you said, is a connected car. And even the, some of the older cars are still considered connected. And I think having that explanation is really important. Autonomous driving isn't quite here yet. It's getting there. We'll, we'll be there eventually. But for now, our cars are a giant 
IoT device on the road. That that's really how I look at it in a way, just to simplify it in my mind. And you're totally right. Um, people need to realize that this is a real big attack vector and that they have a responsibility to pay attention. So yeah, definitely I would agree. So so Kristen, I think uh, you're absolutely right. And you know, we talked today about three uh, revolutions uh, in the uh, automotive world. Each of them is huge, and they're all happening in parallel. Okay, one is all vehicles becoming connected. The second is electrification, and mm -hmm. the third is autonomy. So uh, autonomy kind of depends on the first two, and the first two are here already today. So uh, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, I've actually had the privilege of riding in an autonomous vehicle a couple times. Um, they tend to have them at certain um, conferences when we could do that. And uh, I found it to be quite relaxing. Um, I had a lot of people say that they would never be in an autonomous car and it's so dangerous. And <laughs> it's not. It's actually, I felt safer as that than I would probably just a random driver. Um, so I, I think that people have this stereotype probably brought on by like sci-fi and movies and things like that, but it's, it's pretty safe. And I think the work that Upstream's doing and that we're doing in the security community is just gonna make it that much safer. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, autonomous vehicles will actually bring lots of safety, you know, as well as uh, extra free time uh, to all of us. So this is mm -hmm. basically a blessing as long as we mitigate the risks, you know, the risks are out there, everyone knows, uh, and if we mitigate the risks, uh, it will definitely be a blessing. You know, we're expecting it. Definitely. And I, and I think you mentioned it, and I, I think this is a great segue into the next question is, um, what has been the reaction towards ISO and SEA uh, 21434 standard? And do you think people are panicking about it or generally really happy to see the industry's first standard? And then um, what about the standard do you think is the most difficult for people to implement? It's kind of a, it's a big question there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, first of all, uh, you know, the, the standard, the ISO SAE standard was long coming. You know, we all expected it. Yep. And the market expected it. And, you know, everyone, you know, actually uh, knew that it's needed. And the reason is that automotive is so complex. You know, when the, you build the vehicle, you have the OEM that builds the vehicle, but you also have thousands of suppliers. And you know, designing the vehicle takes years, right? So it's such a complex process yes. uh, with so many players. And you know, the other uh, complex part is that it actually takes a long time. You know, you start with designing, then you manufacture, and then you have the post-production. So you know, you have here a game that requires so many players to collaborate over such a long time. So this creates a huge challenge. You know, even if each of the players wants to do his best role, it's not clear who does what, right? Who owns what? Yeah. How, how do we get all this uh, kind of orchestra to play together and, and create a secure product? And I think this is where uh, the standard comes to play. If you talk to the people who actually build it, they say, we want to create a uniform language that the industry can talk with. Yes. And I think this is the big achievement of uh, uh, the ISO SAE. They, they actually tell each player what is the role, you know, what they need to do, 
and you know each one you know can do each player can actually know how they can do a good job but they also know what they need to require from the other players okay so this is this is a huge achievement right this this actually enables the industry to work together and create this uh, product so, so I think uh, uh, this is why the industry is not panicking but more see it as a blessing and you know as we you know we talk with multiple players in the market and uh, they see uh, ISO SAE as the de facto uh, standard that, that helps them operate uh, yep. so, so to that end I, th I think we're good from our perspective, the biggest challenge uh, in the industry, I think, is the post-production part. Mm. Uh, so with post-production, it's actually complex because here you kind of, uh, first, first of all, the vehicle needs to be on the road for so many years. And it's actually so complex to, you know, handle vulnerabilities over time, detective vulnerabilities. But the other challenge of post-production is, is the, the mix between OT and IT. Okay, because mm -hmm. the vehicle is basically, like you said, this huge complex IoT, but it also connects to backend systems, right? So here, it kind of uh, creates a challenge to the industry because you need these two giant parts of the organization to kind of meet and work together effectively. And uh, this is uh, a huge challenge for the industry. And actually, you know, this is where we at Upstream help them with the post-production part. So we work very closely with them on that. Definitely. I mean, I, I tell people that a connected car is just another attack vector into an organization, not just about the safety of the passengers, but it's also a way into, you know, there could be a privacy breach. There could be a breach at one of the manufacturers. It could be at the OEM. It could be a supplier. There's just a lot of now additional risks associated with it. And I'm so glad that they finally came out with a standard because in the security world, we have so many standards and we have different country regulations and things of such. And it's, and I agree, I think everybody was waiting for something like this to be able to have that general common language to talk about what's going on and how they're gonna handle it um, and then determine responsibility. And I think that that is such a valuable thing to make people feel safer within their own vehicles and the people that you know are building them. I mean, how, I'm sure they feel awful if something had happened um, and they couldn't have avoided it because they didn't know where there wasn't a regulation in place. And now with this going through, it's it's so much better. And that really leads us into the third question nicely. Um, with the new regulation, it's mandating that the OEM's responsibility to ensure the supply chain is secure. And what does that mean for tier one and tier two suppliers? Now I can speak on a little bit of an OT manufacturing side of the house, and I have worked with some of the automakers there is a disconnect on how to manage security with suppliers in tier one and tier two because people are trying to figure out whose responsibility is whose you know are we responsible for our end are we responsible to make sure you're doing your end are you responsible to make sure we're doing our end there's a little bit of this gray space that people are trying to figure out but now with this regulation it's mandating it so are you seeing something similar on your side too, where there's a, a bit more dialogue happening and people are able to start to figure some of this out? Yeah, so, so that one is actually very straightforward in uh, WP29. So, so WP29 explicitly mandates uh, the OEM to require cybersecurity from their uh, suppliers. And uh, they need both to require it and also validate that it happened. 
And this is actually uh, very effective because, you know, when the OEM uh, requires it from the tier one, uh, the tier one will go ahead and require it from the tier two mm -hmm. and so on. So this kind of uh, recursively, you know, starts with the OEM, but then goes down to the entire supply chain, which is exactly the effect that uh, needs to happen, right? Yes. So, uh, so from the OEM side, you know, they have the onus to do it, but it kind of reflects on the industry. And, you know, as we work with the tier ones, tier twos, we see that they're becoming uh, very aware of cybersecurity. You know, for example, they need to do extensive uh, threat analysis uh, on their components, but mm -hmm. they also need to have a threat feed. And we're seeing, uh, uh, you know, this is required by the regulation, and we're seeing uh, many of the tier one, tier twos adopt the threat feed just to know, uh, you know, if there's a vulnerability in any of their components, they basically need to know about it. Uh, they need to fix it, and they need to notify, uh, uh, you know, their customer. So we're actually seeing the industry adopt that. So, so we, the, you know, here, you know, we're seeing some good things happen. And by the way, last point, it's not only required by WP29, it's also mandated by uh, the ISO SAE standard, which gives actually very good guidelines and strategies how to do that. Yeah, I think that it, it's really a good sign of how healthy this these regulations and standards are going to become. They're handling things in real world time, meaning this was just the natural progression evolution of this particular um, standard. And I'm really pleased to see that people are, they're not panicking about it, they're welcoming it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of work to do. And if they haven't really had a handle on their um, operational technology security side of the house, or any type of manufacturing security, in terms of governance, um, obviously, this is helping them get there um, a little bit better, in my opinion. And I've seen over the last few years, especially, um, teams really coming together and forming better um, around different um, security initiatives from the standard. So uh, within that too, um, since I've kind of mentioned a little bit about security culture, so obviously we mentioned at the beginning of the call that um, automakers are evolving into tech companies. So my question is, and I definitely could go on this subject for about a while as well, um, do you think security culture at these types of organizations is growing fast enough alongside these standards? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're working very closely with the market. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing OEMs now progress very fast in terms of their security competence and security awareness. And, you know, we're seeing it actually, you know, both, you know, from... Uh, professional level and uh, expertise, but also uh, we're seeing that, you know, it's actually required and expected at the entire organization level by management. So, so we're seeing some uh, great progress and actually fast progress. And I think it's happening in two areas. Uh, one area is uh, the vehicle level. Okay, so uh, we're seeing the vehicle itself being built from the ground up securely and this is done uh, by you know just the uh, OEMs getting competence in doing Tara and this this is actually by the way required also very specifically by the regulation uh, not only to build the vehicle securely but also to prepare it for post-production by uh, 
actually sending strong telemetry to the backend systems for attack detection. So, so this is one aspect of it. The second aspect is uh, actually, again, like because IT and OT are kind of connecting, we're also seeing it connecting in the organization level. So, so you have these very strong security teams that are uh, kind of multi-domain oriented and kind of see the entire picture. And this is actually required just by the changing reality of the business. So, so overall, the OEMs are progressing very fast. Still, you know, OEMs are ultimately automakers, right? So their expertise in just producing great cars and this is why we see them also partnering with the cyber industry and cyber players like us just to get the best results and best perspective uh, over time. And I I sit on the, the second part of what you just said, how I'm helping these OT teams um, come up with strategies that are going to work best with um, production rates and um, futurizing their um, whole manufacturing process. And it's been really interesting, I think, especially over the last few years, is really seeing a tight security culture coming around, like you said, security awareness, um, and not just, you know, the e-learnings that we do annually. It's more about making it personal and making it something that they, they can get behind in comparison to just a, a general reading of generalized security. Um, I've definitely been working with clients as of late that we're talking a lot about how they want to do more specific uh, niche down like OT security that would really help not only their security teams, but the operators that are on the line that are building the cars or any other type of product. And it's really fascinating that this whole security culture is really spinning out of um, the not only wanting to do the right thing to keep things secure, but also um, keep people safe. And ultimately, that's the goal, right, is to keep people safe. So it's just this really, it's really this pretty cool turning of um, of where we were before, which was just kind of scattered to becoming more organized and moving forward in a, in a capacity that's making sure not only are the workers who are working on the cars and the OEM staying safe, but making sure the vehicles are also safe, both from a technology standpoint and obviously a physical standpoint. So it's been, uh, it's really amazing. I'm, I'm actually really excited to see how far we're going to go with this. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that you said security culture. I, I think that's um, the exact, you know, the most important term because it's it's not a one-time thing. You know, just because the business reality, the services are changing so fast and technologies uh, progress so fast. You know, you mentioned autonomous vehicles before. So just because the technology is progressing and the business, so it can't be a one-time thing. You need to have a culture where you all the time learn, develop, do your own research, you know, and, uh, you know, ultimately it's just a process of endless learning. And uh, I think the entire industry is understanding that. So Absolutely. And I, I really think that within the OT security culture, uh, I think the, the thing that I always say and really do want to explain to, especially our audience, it's not just about preventing a cyber attack to protect data or any type of availability or loss. OT security is about saving lives and keeping people safe, both the people that are producing and are using. I, I think that that really rallies people together on a different front when you put that in the perspective for them. It drives that culture. It creates this um, 
really personal responsibility to move forward in the best way possible. Um, and that's why I love working in OT security, if you want my true answer there. Um, and another reason why I really enjoy being with, you know, working in the automotive industry, because it's such a family unit and that culture is really strong. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing it just getting stronger over time. Yeah. And I think it's going to be um, a model moving forward for some of the other industries as well, um, because it's being done right, which is great. Yep, absolutely. Well, I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this episode and many thanks. Um, thanks so much, Yantan, for being here. I really appreciate your wisdom and sharing your knowledge from upstream. Thanks. And thanks yeah. for the audience. In our next episode, we'll be discussing cloud adoption, highlighting why organizations need a cloud security strategy and how to adopt one. Make sure you subscribe for the upcoming episode to receive notifications for the entire series. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.